I just had a conversation with Kurt Thompson, Dr. Kurt Thompson. Uh, uh, been looking forward to this conversation for a while. Uh, if you don't know him, he's a psychiatrist, speaker, and author. Uh, connects our intrinsic desire to be known. We have a, a conversation about being known uh, with, with the need to tell truer stories about ourselves, showing us how to form deep relationships, discover meaning, and live integrated creative lives. Uh, you can find him at uh, curtisthompsonmd.com. And this conversation uh, was fun for me. I think he had fun too. <laughs> Uh, sometimes when you get somebody alone, you know, and I, and I happen to be uh, hosting this one on my own, um, you know, and you're reading his books, you're like, oh, I want to ask him about this just for myself. And, and so I took a, a, a good deal of time to do that. But we did. We talked about a holistic understanding of who we are. Uh, we, we spent a good deal of time talking about the love of God, which is unsurprising. Um, we, we dove into his book primarily, and he's written several books, but we dove into his book, The Soul of Desire, discovering the neuroscience of longing, beauty, and community. Um, uh, started the whole thing off by him walking us through neuroscience and human relationship in the context of the biblical narrative, which if you follow along with him at all or uh, aware of him at all, um, that's what he does on his podcast, Being Known. It was a fascinating conversation. We talked about peace, the kind of peace that you have access to, uh, the one that I'm fascinated with, uh, Jesus sleeping in a boat. Uh, we talked about left brain and right brain and how that works towards connecting to each other. This was a conversation about uh, a holistic approach to, to how we live, move, and have our being. You know, he broke down the four S's for us, um, seen, soothed, safe, and secure. We talked about beauty and and the discovery of beauty, uh, a hope-filled uh, life. It's good. This is a good conversation. I think you're going to like it. Uh, I did. Uh, in other news, uh, guys, you can join us uh, on Facebook at Rethinking Guy with Tacos. There's a really cool and thriving community taking place there. I'm there, and uh, and and do my best to keep up. Uh, Instagram, you can follow us there. Uh, you can go to afamilystory.org and sign up for our newsletter. Uh, you can also give there. We're listener-supported and very thankful when you do give. Appreciate you guys. Love being on this journey with you. Uh, this is my conversation with Dr. Kurt Thompson. Uh, Kurt Thompson, it is so good. <laughs> I have been looking forward to having you. Uh, introduced mm. Uh, mm. to you by uh, a, ho a guest we had years ago, and I have been um, devouring uh, your books. Uh, I, I mm. think I told you that just mm. before we got started, The Soul of Desire is the one that uh, mm. uh, I've most recently read, so it's the one I'm most mm. familiar with, mm. but mm. being known your mm. podcast. Man, we've had so many folks who've wanted to ha uh, wanted us to have you on, and I'm so, so mm. glad you're here. It's really oh, cool to have Jason, you here. Well, thank you. Uh, I'm. Uh, it's. Uh, I'll, I'll just, it's humbling to be invited. I'm. I'm thrilled to uh, have the chance to interact with you and your audience. And um, you know, uh, I. I tell folks any any time. Any time I'm in the presence of someone who knows that following Jesus is hard to do. <laughs> like 
like, dude, it's just, it's such a good thing because like, you're just, you're aware that you're not alone in the process. And, um, so I'm, I'm really grateful to be here and to have our conversation and, uh, really looking forward to it. So thanks for having me. Um, yeah, I love that. I um, you you use this phrase neuroscience and human relationship in the context of biblical narrative. I've heard you mm-hmm. use it on the podcast. Uh, I thought it was a great way to encapsulate who you are, what you mm-hmm. do. Uh, mm-hmm. We we use this language relational theology. Uh, you know, I'm mm-hmm. I'm I'm a right brain guy uh, in a left brain mm-hmm. world. Uh, if it doesn't fit in the context of relationship, I don't even know what to do with it. But so the yeah. neuroscience, that word, you know, is that one, it's intimidating to me, but I get the human mm-hmm. relationship mm-hmm. in the biblical mm-hmm. context. Could you share a little bit of what that mm-hmm. is? Share a little bit of mm-hmm. uh, how you got there, a little bit of who you are for our audience. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I, uh, I live in Northern Virginia, grew up in Ohio, I've been married for 37 and a half years. We have two adult children. And for over the last three decades, I've been a practicing psychiatrist um, here in the Northern Virginia area. And uh, I'm part of a small practice here with a group of colleagues that are, um, I just, I just love to death and I'm just so grateful. Uh, I I tell people I don't deserve my life. And uh, there are a number of different elements that make that true. Uh, my marriage and my kids and my practice, the practice I'm part of, are all, are all part of that. And I would say that in the last 20 years in particular, um, I have been, I and along with others, have been richly uh, uh, shaped by uh, what at one time we would have said it was an emerging field of interpersonal neurobiology, hence the whole notion of neuroscience, which yeah. in this case, it's not just it's not just neuroscience. It's about a lot of different things that kind of fall under that heading of interpersonal neurobiology. All those folks and all that research that has a stake in asking and wrestling with the question of what is a mind and what does a healthy mind look like? So interpersonal yeah. neurobiology that has this sense that my mind and my body and my relationships are all interacting with one. And what does it mean for us to then to, to grapple with those mechanics, which are really tell us how the brain works, how relationships work. Right. How do those mechanics fit within the context of the story that we followers of Jesus believe that we're living in? And we like to say that in the work that we do in our in our practices, we are we are help we, we are co laboring with God to help people tell their story more truly. Yeah, that's uh, good. because we believe that that's what Jesus has come to do to help us tell our stories more truly uh, relative to the way the world really is uh, in God's kingdom. Man, I, I love the story approach. That's that's what I do. I'm a writer mm. and mm. Uh, everything mm. is mm. everything is found in the narrative. Mm. I love it. Mm. You um, mm. you use these these types of words. Uh, you're doing a series right now, I think, uh, on being known around beauty, if I'm correct. I don't think you've wrapped it up yet. Um, is that yeah, right? Yeah, we, we actually, we actually, we actually did wrap that. I mean, well, okay. the, the record. Let me take that back. We, the recording is wrapped up. The the release of them it may not be wrapped up yet because okay. I I, okay. I don't. I'm 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 not the first guy to ask about these kinds of <laughs> important things like when things are happening. But, but that not, is that I, is I'm, a series that we just recently done. Yeah. Yes. Well, I, yeah. I've been listening to it. And uh, beauty, of course, you, you use these phrases, encounter beauty, you use the word encounter mm-hmm. a lot. There's this phrase you, you used, uh, doing the work of moving from imagination to incarnation. Mm-hmm. And uh, that mm-hmm. phrase arrested me. 
a lot of what mm. we do in this in this podcast uh, is can we have a better thought about God today than we had yesterday? Mm. And can we have a better a, one oh, tomorrow gosh. than what, right? a, what a great what a great phrase. <laughs> that's that's I've, that's I've, just that's that's superb. <laughs> well, that's what we're going to do together for the next 40 yeah. minutes or so is can we yeah. have better thoughts? If I mm -hmm. weren't in Western culture, this podcast would be called Reimagine God, but it's Rethinking mm -hmm. God, but it's the same thing. Mm -hmm. And the idea mm -hmm. of, of moving from imagination to incarnation, the idea that the, the podcast that you were, that, that I was referencing, beauty is, is, is ahead of us. You're just getting on the path. You use the language of getting mm -hmm. on the path, this encounter mm -hmm. with beauty. Mm -hmm. There's such hope in that, man. I would love for you to share mm -hmm. a little mm -hmm. bit uh, mm -hmm. around yeah. that. Yeah, well, I, I think uh, for me, Jason, it 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 comes when you know when you read the first page of the Bible, you uh, I mean, first of all, you're, you're just you know you you realize pretty quickly you're in the presence of some really brilliant writers, right? And uh, they're really good at their craft, and you recognize that that beauty is just jumping off the page. I mean, God said, and it was it, the, the text, you know, the word, the Hebrew word for the word. Good is also the word for the, the Hebrew word for the word beauty, and it yeah. is beautiful. It is beautiful day yeah. one, day two, day four, five, yeah. six, seven, and so forth. And then, and you, and you see that God, what we what we're shown is that God is an artist, and then we're told that we're made in His image. We're we're, we're to do and, and live like God lives. And so, this notion of beauty is uh, at the center of the mission for what it means for us to be. Uh, living and stewarding the earth as kings yeah. and queens as as daughters and sons of god and we 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 recognize you look around the world and um because of the third page of the bible right when we get to adam and eve and genesis you know the, yeah. the, the, the yeah. you know the fruit and all the things yeah. that go wrong yeah and that continue to go wrong i mean we're really good at the, um no wonder my brain is now primed uh, to see the world as a problem or to see the world as a dangerous place. I'm not yeah. primed to first and foremost look for beauty. But the uh, powerful thing about the story of the Bible is that God's primary mission has not changed. Yeah. Just because of Genesis chapter 3 does not mean that we suddenly like forget about Genesis 1 and 2. Yeah. It's still the case that we are being formed into the image of Jesus in order for us to become like him so that we can rule yeah. and to create and curate beauty and goodness in the world. Yeah, and so if we, if, if we believe that it's true that what we are doing in this time, in this age, is that we are practicing for the, for the age that's coming, right. uh, it, it would appear to me that it would, it would be uh, helpful and important for me to be paying attention to where beauty is Come on. And to how I am called to steward it, even as I am being formed into it, yeah. as I'm be as God is creating beauty in me, uh, because if I if I'm not practicing that, like I, heaven is not going to work for me very well. <laughs> you know, it's it's going to be it's right. going to be hard. It's going to be hard for me to live there. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. And and then you've got this this invitation into this this ever present now, this eternity being right now where, yeah. you know, Jesus talks about heaven as, as something that's within reach that is actually right. even, he goes even further and says it's within us. Within that's us, that incarnational right. aspect uh, yeah. uh, that yeah. somehow 
I, I ask this question to people all the time. I, I, I say, was Jesus the most obedient person on the planet, or did, did he only do the things that he desired to do? And then mm -hmm. the answer, of mm -hmm. course, is yes. But mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. the the question I'm really trying to get to is is was Jesus living in this holistic relationship, mm -hmm. showing us mm -hmm. what's this incarnational mm -hmm. reality mm -hmm. that I feel like we've mm -hmm. been invited into, where heaven isn't just mm -hmm. some place out there; it's at reach. I'll, mm -hmm. I'll give you a, a proverb that I, that I use all the time: "Hope deferred makes the heart sick." And we're back to the garden now. But longing mm -hmm. or desires or dreams fulfilled is the tree of life. I used to read that as. Um, as exposition or a commentary because my life would 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 be a, a testimony to oh i know what hope de uh, deferred feels like i've got mm -hmm. heart sickness mm -hmm. in this area of my life i've got heart sickness in this area of my life but i i i, mm -hmm. I feel like um th because of this relational dynamic because of what jesus is somehow living out there's this invitation to actually live in a place of of desires fulfilled, or at least to live from that place uh, of uh, of of a, a different perspective on hope, if you will. I don't know mm -hmm. if that's making mm -hmm. sense to you or not, or if that's yeah. resonating. Well, yeah, surely. I mean, I I'm I'm struck by uh, in John's Gospel where Jesus says, "I do, I only do that which I see my Father doing." Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm thinking, like, dude, how do you, like how do you see that? How, like, how is it that like, if all the things you're doing and, and so the things that you're going about doing, if you're, you're not just doing the things, but it's the, it's the way that you do them. Like I do them. It's yeah. not just, I'm doing what my dad's doing. I'm doing how I'm doing them the way he does, the way he does them yeah. joyfully yeah. and so forth. And which, which I, I, I'm aware, uh, you know, we, we like to say that the, that the, you know, since, you know, whatever the language is that we want to talk about it, you want to talk about the world, the language of evolution, you want to talk about the, the language of Genesis chapter three. Yeah. Uh, we are a people who <clears throat> humans pay a lot of attention to danger. And we do for good reason. I'd sure. like not to be run over by the truck in the crosswalk. Sure. I think that's, a, that would be a better <laughs> thing. Yeah. Um, at the same time, because I am primed to pay attention to danger, uh, I don't practice looking for beauty. Wow. Yeah. Because if I if I'm looking for beauty, then I'm not going to pay attention to the truck that wants to run me over. Or I'm not going to pay attention to you know the person who's going to, you know, mistreat me or I'm not going to pay or you know I'm not going to pay attention to that thing that I have committed myself to being anxious about. Right. Because I want to be really really good at being anxious. Right. Um and because I'm paying attention to beauty, I'm a danger. I'm not paying attention to beauty. And because I don't on purpose pay attention to beauty, I don't become, I don't give myself the opportunity to be immersed in it such that it becomes more natural for me to wow. do that. Yeah. But this is where, when we talk about moving from the imagination to incarnation, uh, you know, one of the most important ways that we talk about that takes place in these confessional communities that we that we run that i we, we talk about in the yeah. soul of desire and you know it, it it is uh it is a common thing for people in these groups you know, when they want to talk about something that's troubling them i i, I want to talk about something in the abstract so i'll talk about my life outside the group or if there's something that i might want to say in the group but i'm afraid to say yeah. in the group, I might say like, yeah, I'm a little worried that, you know, people might get, and, and to which we will say like, people, which people? 
Right. Like, like which people here in this room? Like, I'm more than happy to talk about people as if they are these abstractions, as if they are just going to remain in my imagination, rather than bring them fully in their embodied form into the room. If I begin to practice learning that I can have agency and that Jesus wants to show up in real time and space in this place where I'm going to reveal my vulnerable self, the part of me that I hate the most, or if I'm going to reveal the feeling that I have about John who's sitting across the room from me, who I'm like really like angry with. <laughs> right. And I'm afraid that then John's going to quit, like all the, all the stories that I make up about John and the stories right. that he's making up about me, I yeah. can talk about those and still live with that anxiety, or I can talk with John and bring yeah. it into the room and create the opportunity for the beauty of healing. Wow. But that's the difference, for instance. This is the difference between seeing Van Gogh on the internet right, and going to Paris. Yeah. And yeah. So, I mean, like, dude, like I will, like... The only other time, the only time I've been to uh, Paris and stood three feet away from a Van Gogh, yeah. and and of course the whole time I'm wondering like Kurt, just don't just don't fall into the painting, don't fall into the painting, <laughs> don't don't fall into the right. painting, and and you 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 can't believe what you're seeing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Listening to music, listening to a piece of poetry that's being read. All these kinds of things that you're focusing your attention on, this question of, of, of making beauty incarnate yeah. such that it emerges even in places where that, that feel like what I'm really looking at is carnage. But it gives right. us the opportunity to imagine it emerging in real time and space. And what this does is it lets us practice imagining beauty emerging in incarnate ways out of the places of our own stories. Right that we feel are the most forgettable. I, I think I, I said it just a little bit earlier that, you know, I'm, I'm a relational guy and I think in the context of connection, um, so you can't have intimacy where there isn't trust. And so even these things that you're describing, they require some element of trust for me, um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Where uh, where everything shifted in my life, I was raised in uh, in, a, in the church. I gave my heart to Jesus when I was five, um, but I would say I had a second salvation experience fifteen years ago. I'm almost fifty, and uh, mm-hmm. about fifteen years ago, um, and it was around uh, the goodness of God as Jesus reveals it, and the goodness of God being love. Uh, other centered, other centered, self giving, uh, if you will, cruciform love. But it was I had an encounter with this love that that uh, would would allow for some of the things you're until then finding. Everything was about avoiding pain. Everything was about my insecurities mm-hmm. and my desperations. I was trying to mm-hmm. cope with them. Everything within my mm-hmm. faith, even within my marriage, that there was such a huge shift. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. it came from this place of God is love. His love is perfect toward me as Jesus mm-hmm. revealed mm-hmm. it. I'll put my faith there. I'll live in the context of we have a phrase that I, 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 I embraced. I don't know, but he's good. It was the best thing I could mm-hmm. say at the time. And mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. is what I can point to as being the most transformative shift in my life because now mm-hmm. there's trust to be able to even mm-hmm. see beauty. Is, is, mm-hmm. is any of this mm-hmm. resonating? Mm-hmm. Uh, totally. Totally. We, I mean, we, we might say 
that Jesus' capacity to see beauty just around the corner in the man with a yeah. withered hand. Yeah. Just yeah. around the corner with the yeah. woman caught in adultery. Yeah. His capacity to see that has everything to do with his level, his the degree to which he experiences himself as a non-anxious presence in the world because he's so deeply connected with a father who loves him. Yeah. That's it's so really good. hard for us to be anxious if I have someone standing next to me who on a fairly regular basis is looking over at me and saying, dude, I'm so glad I'm with you. Wow. And 10 minutes later, he just looks over, he just yeah. winks at me. We're in the middle of a conversation. You know, <laughs> th th this, this sense that even when he's looking at somebody else, like I have the felt sense that he, like I haven't lost, like I I'm still in his awareness. Yeah. And he lets me know. And he said like, look, even if I'm looking at somebody else, like, like, don't think you've left my mind. You don't ever leave. This is that that's John John became my favorite. I I my story was I actually put the the Bible down. And I, I didn't tell anybody at the time and I only read the gospels because <laughs> I was resetting my lens. John being uh -huh. my favorite book and then John referred to mm -hmm. himself three times as the one Jesus loved and my my <laughs> heart went that's me. Every one of us is the one that he loves. He's right, right. there winking at me every 10 minutes mm -hmm. telling me. Mm -hmm. uh, then you realize that Jesus gets the, this is my son whom I love. With him I'm well pleased before he does any mm -hmm. of this stuff. Mm -hmm. And and mm -hmm. suddenly uh, I'm living from this place of security that I, uh, I, mm -hmm. I, and I'll tell you what happened. I, I suddenly was able to address shame and desperation mm -hmm. and things in my life that I didn't have the capacity to navigate before that. And of course, right. you could you could speak to that. I, I know thoroughly. Um, I, I I I can't tell you the liberty that that I stepped mm -hmm. into that day because of the mm -hmm. discovery. Mm -hmm. uh, not that day; mm -hmm. it was a two year process that came to an epiphanous yeah. moment. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, but shifted yeah. everything. I get that. Yeah. Well, it's you know, Jason. This is um, this is you know, it reminds me of what we. Uh, or have discovered, are discovering about the process of developing secure attachment. This notion that we yeah. are seen, soothed, safe, secure, uh, and and that security does not mean that I never uh, skin my knee. Security does not mean I never get my feelings hurt. Security does not yeah. mean that there are never any ruptures. In fact, we know that in order for secure attachment to develop in children they need to have the experience of ruptures that are effectively repaired. Wow. Right. And because otherwise I don't, I don't develop any resilience. I don't have any sense that I can take a punch. I don't have any sense that like right. I can be okay in a world in which things are not okay. Right. And I mean, in some respects, you know, when you read the text straight up, right, you get to, you know, Mark nine and Jesus and Peter, James and John come off the mountain and there's the father with his son and, Right. He's upset, and the son's upset, and the disciples are upset. And they're all arguing with the Pharisees and so forth and so on. And Jesus <laughs> yeah. takes the boy, and he says, how much longer must I be with you? Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, I, I don't want to be the person he's looking at when he says that. <laughs> Feels pretty harsh. I, that, would, that, would not, that would not sit well with me. And I, and I want to think like, oh, John, I'm like, what was it like when he said that to you, the one who he loved? Right. Right. But there's this there is this notion that 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 Jesus does not handle us with kid gloves. Yeah. Jesus handles us as if we are 
he takes us very seriously, far more yeah. seriously than we take ourselves. Serious in the sense that he seriously loves us. He has serious plans for us to become yeah. kings and queens. Yes, yeah. and like I thought, like, and and I'm like, really? Okay. And so this notion of working through this as a way to come to a place where I am secure, and by secure it means I am now able to imagine taking risks in the world in which things may not be perfect. Yeah. I might get my nose bloodied, I might skin my knee, I might get my feeling. All this, as long as I know that I have a place to return where I will be seen, soothed, and completely comfortable and confident. Yeah. It's Safe in this secure. space that I learn to be launched. And then and this is why why we say that like we don't know none of us do this by ourselves. We yeah, do in this in the context right? of community. Yeah. And it is this community that then enables me to then return into this space of securely uh, you know working to create the next new outpost of beauty and goodness in the world extending eden into the wilderness Come on. Uh, which was what we've been intended to do in the first two pages of the bible hey guys interrupt him for a second glad you're here so thankful for this podcast thankful to get to do this with friends thankful for derek and all of those who've navigated it with us listen this podcast is done under our nonprofit, a family story 12 years ago i had a vision and i wrote it down i'm going to read it to you family story is a relational community of creatives family and friends i see all of us as creatives we do life together we envision and express god's love through our gifting and grace we are worshipers, dreamers, storytellers, and preachers, a family of dads and moms, brothers and sisters, daughters and sons, united by a passion to know and reveal God's perfect love. I feel like I'm seeing the fulfillment of some of that vision 12 years ago. The mandate on A Family Story was to create media content catalytic for an encounter with the love of God. AFamilyStory.org is our website. I encourage you to go there. There's a whole lot of media content there. There's books and articles. Uh, there's films, some music, and uh, this podcast. That's the home of Rethinking God with Tacos, which is pretty dang cool. It's been life-giving, as I said, the community around it, the community of creatives, of family and friends that's growing. Uh, it's blown me away. And so, I'm thankful. I'm thankful uh, for all the relationships, connections, and I'm thankful for all those who've given. Rethinking God with Tacos is listener-supported. If you'd like to support us, you can go to afamilystory.org. Uh, again, we're a nonprofit, and I would encourage you to join us on our Facebook group. Uh, follow us on Instagram, all the socials. Uh, if you're curious how to find me on the socials, it's at Jason Clark. Is otherwise like, share, uh, write a review on iTunes or Spotify, uh, tell your mom. We really are loving doing this, and I'm so thankful for everyone here. All right, it's time to get back to the podcast. Yeah, that's so good. <laughs> Come on. Uh, and, and there's such a, um, a, a liberty. I'll look at the, I look at the story of Jesus in the boat in the storm where, he, where he's sleeping. Hmm. And I can mm. look at my life and I can look at how I've understood God and my relationship to the world 
all, all along the way and what I've been taught, and, you know, and I would say even up till about 10 years ago, the high watermark of that story was that Jesus could calm the storm, you know, and of course, if you take that, all the different storms in my life and all the, but I, I'll tell you the fascination I've had with that story in the last several mm -hmm. years, and especially well, uh, I'm listening to the, your book. I'm two thirds of the way through, um, headed on the road as soon as we finish this and I'll probably uh, turn it right back on the soul of desire. Hmm. But uh, as I'm listening to it, I'm processing uh, this story in my life. And the fascination I've had with this uh, in the last five years is this. I, I, I want the kind of, um, I used to think the whole point of Jesus was that he had the authority to calm the storm. And so you right. know, the disciples wake him up and he stands up and he calms the <laughs> storm. And so everything about faith was that I needed to have some access to who God is and who I am as the man of God to speak to the storm because we have authority over the storm. That was the thing that I was given. But the, the real reality is if you say if Jesus only does what he sees the father doing, then in the storm, the father was taking a nap. And to me, that's fascinating. <laughs> you know, that's, I'm like, that is a piece beyond understanding. That's access oh to gosh. a wholeness that fascinates uh, me. You know? I'm just imagining, oh my gosh, Jason, I'm just imagining like, where is God? Oh, I, was, I was taking a nap. <laughs> taking a nap. I'm tired. Yeah. I mean, it's just, yeah, that's just amazing. Yeah it's it's the it's it, and when i'm when i'm listening to your your book i am i and in the context of my own journey i am i'm thinking what does it mean to be whole in that in that way what does it mean to be mm -hmm. seen mm -hmm. soothed safe and secure mm -hmm. in such a way mm -hmm. that that if i'm tired i take a nap you know it's mm -hmm. that type of peace uh that's fascinating mm -hmm. to me that as mm -hmm. I, as i am mm -hmm. processing mm -hmm. the book mm -hmm. uh, uh, with you mm -hmm. and thankful for it uh, it's coming from that place of, man, mm. what does it look like to live so confident in love mm. uh, that I'm right. seeing beauty uh, along mm -hmm. the way, right. seeing it the way the Father yeah. sees it, seeing it yeah. uh, through the finished work, well, if it, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's I, I, I'm made more able to see it when I'm less anxious. And if yes. I'm not anxious, I can pause and look for it and gaze because I'm not in that moment vigilantly looking for danger. Yeah, because I am deeply connected. You know, your words uh, draw me to Jesus' words also in John's gospel when he says, I've said these things to you so that in me, you will have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation. Right. I, I You know, I noticed that he doesn't say, I said these words to you so that you'll now have information. <laughs> uh, right. So that you'll now have the theology that will equip you. Yeah, he says this. I gave you these words so that in me, again, you know you, that 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 whole picture of Jesus being asleep in the boat. I'm one of the disciples. the The boat is doing its crazy thing. I look back. Yep. He's asleep, and I just want to like yell, like, "What the heck!" Right, right. I, and I've and been yet, there. yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah, me, yeah. me. Yeah, multiple times a week. <laughs> and and I think there's a part of me that wants to wants to be create courageous enough that instead of doing what everybody else is doing in the boat to just say okay i'm just going to take the risk of going back and like i'm just going to like sit right next to him right right and i'm going to try to take a nap too <laughs> i'm going to try i'm, I'm just going to try to do this yeah show me yeah 
I love that. Because I want to be I, I want I want my peace to be what I sense because I'm 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 sidled up next to him. Yeah. That's that I'm the, the peace is coming not from a thing that I know from but rather from the person who is with me and well, being in connection with that person. And then because what strikes me is he then says uh in the world like yeah. Like it's a crap it's a crap show. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. it's tribulation. And then he says this fascinating thing and he doesn't say like but it's okay. He says but be <laughs> of good cheer. Yeah. 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 It's it, uh, so good. <laughs> How? I, but somehow in the boat, he was seen, soothed, safe, and secure. Jesus yeah, was. Yeah. Somehow yep, he was. Yep. So I, yep. that whole picture of of sitting up beside him is like, hey, show me what you see right now. Like, like, right. Like, let's figure out what the real reality is here, where yeah. I can step yeah. into that place of being seen, soothed, safe, and secure. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, I've written a good deal about Peter uh, in Gethsemane with mm. the sword, mm. Mm. and I and mm. the interaction that takes place before when Jesus uh, says to him, "Hey, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat, but I've prayed for your mm. faith." Uh, mm-hmm. And Satan mm-hmm. has access to us when we have flawed mm-hmm. thoughts about who God is and who we are. I, mm-hmm. I put myself mm-hmm. in Peter's shoes, and I'm like, "Can you imagine mm-hmm. the desperation and insecurity it would take to pull a sword out and attempt to cut?" to kill somebody like the i felt that anxiety in me uh in many times of my life and so my prayer is constantly this rethinking god i've I've got to understand who you are mm. in the context of what mm. jesus revealed uh, so i'm mm-hmm. set free from these desperations and insecurities mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. yeah yeah well i i mean i i really appreciate the um I, I'm just as, as we're as we're talking, Jason. I'm I'm aware of really uh, appreciating the visual imagery that is uh, right. that you're you know that you're you're evoking in 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 your um, drawing attention to these particular stories in the Gospels, and I'm 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 aware of how necessary it is for me to continue to practice visualizing these things. That's it's good. not enough for me to do this, uh, you know, to have um, an epiphany, right. a discovery, yeah. Yeah. Uh, have one moment of like, oh my gosh, there's that moment that I practiced sidling up next to Jesus in the boat while everything was going crazy. And yeah, that was great. And oh, I know I like I have to do that multiple times a day right? if I am going to incorporate a posture of peacefulness in the middle of all the tribulation. That's good. Um, and, and fortunately in the gospels, um, you know, the gospels are stories of a real person who's doing real things, who himself was in situations that were not always pleasant. And what does it mean for us to just stand next to him and then practice breathing? <laughs> because you know, standing next to him would make me anxious. Because because <laughs> what's he going to ask me to do, or what's he going to do that's going to create trouble for us? And then I'm, you know, I'm going to have to get my sword out and whack off the ear of the high priest servant. <laughs> right, right. It's uh, I mean, just before then, he he told God, I, Jesus, I love you. The others might leave you, but I won't. So now he has to he has to muscle up under that mm. under that mm. word and. 
Mm. And, uh, and somehow then the gospel is about his love for Jesus instead of the other way around, of course, right? That, yeah, yeah. That's right. where it takes place. Right. I, um, I do love that practical day in, day out, what you're talking about, uh, relational mm. aspect, really even that relational aspect of how we walk with God. And you, you start this book out, The Soul of Desire, telling a story of Aaron. The story is, is that he's had an affair and is now trying to figure out why he's done this, you know, and so you're, you're using that uh, to, to basically break open the whole concept of the book. Is that right? That's a fair mm-hmm. kind of mm-hmm. breakdown yeah. of it. Yeah. And, and so yeah. there's this moment where he, he starts to realize his background, his, he was raised in a demanding home, and, and so that played a huge role. Mm-hmm. And so then there's this moment where it says, despite what Aaron's left brain heard about God's love for him, oh, then he gets saved. And he has this encounter mm-hmm. with love. And now you're meeting with, mm-hmm. and it says, despite what Aaron's, uh, Aaron's left brain heard about God's love for him, his right brain had not facilitated an actual embodied experience of what love meant in real time and space. Yes, he felt the love of God, but the natural payload of all the years prior was not about to vanish quietly overnight. And you go on to talk about his anticipation of fear and shame would, uh, should, uh, shame, uh, should his weakness or imperfection be exposed was far more entrenched in his mind than he knew. And then you go on from there. But that, that phrase, uh, that the way you delineated between left and right brain uh, mm-hmm. in the context of encounter and in the context of, mm-hmm of really the process of, of transformation, uh, the process mm-hmm. of being seen. Um, mm-hmm. I, I would love for you to speak to that a little bit. Cause I, th- that mm-hmm. really leapt mm-hmm. out at me, the mm-hmm. reality mm-hmm. of the love of God, uh, next to, I, I have had a lot of folks over, over many years say, I know God loves me. I don't know how to feel it. I, I mm-hmm. don't know how mm-hmm. to encounter it. And so the reality of the love of God as a, uh, next to the, the, the entire experiences that you've had and how to actually actually access that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I would love your thoughts. Well, on that. yeah. Well, I think a, a, a word first about you know left brain and right brain uh, imagery and the way we we talk about that. One thing it's important for our listeners to know is that the left brain and right brain. Uh, it, it turns out that there are you know many things that uh, b- both sides of the brain can do. Uh, if given the opportunity, the left brain and the right brain can equally do what the other side right. is doing, if given right. the opportunity to practice doing that. Over yeah. the course of time, and the way we then tend to differentiate in terms of the tasks that they're given to do, they tend to separate out in the particulars of the different locations and places in which the left brain and right brain do things. But I think it would be a false dichotomy to say that a person is left-brained or right-brained or dominantly one or the other. That's not really how the brain works. It's far more (laughs) intricately networked than that. But there is one particular way in which the general activity of one side versus the other does tend to take place and that is the way we att- the way we tend to pay attention to the world okay if i am attuning to the world i'll give an example of uh if i need to change the tire my the flat tire on my car I am attuning to the world as something that is separate from me because I have to manipulate it. I have to, you know, do this work to get my tire fixed. That's, and my, my left brain, my dominant way of understanding and engaging the world is that I'm over here, the world is over there, and I have to work to get the world to do what I want it to do for me. Okay, right. 
my right hemisphere tends to pay attention to the world very differently. It tends to pay attention to it holistically outside of the bounds of time. I right. tend to sense the world as something that I am with and that is with me. It's more like I'm dancing with yeah. the world yeah. as opposed to the world is a math problem that I'm trying to solve. <laughs> now it's important to know that like both of these ways of attuning to the world are crucially important because if right. I can't fix the tire, I can't pick up my wife at the airport. Right. But it's picking my wife up at the airport. That is the real thing. Like I, I don't, I don't build tires just so that I have a thing to change. Right. <laughs> it's right. I want my left brain capacity in order for my capacity to be with, to be realized. Yeah. Wow. And so when it comes to this notion of being in the world fruitfully and flourishing, it really is this relationship between attuning to the world as a thing that I have to manipulate. And by, when I use the word manipulate, I don't mean that in a bad way, but it's this thing that I like I manipulate a knife to, you know, pair my apple or wh right. whatever yeah. it is yeah. that I'm doing. Yeah. Yeah, I'm following. You know, but it's this back and forth, back and forth between seeing the world as a thing that I am out, out there, and then it's the thing that I'm with, back and forth and back and forth. But largely and ultimately, my joy that I experience is because of the withness. Yeah, that's it, it is because you are delighted to see me. I walk into the room, and you're like, "Oh my gosh, I'm so glad you're here!" Right, right, and that is what swells in my chest that I feel. And this is why we say we can know a lot of things about God, yeah. about the world. This is my yeah. dominant way of seeing the world through the lens of analysis and manipulation. But that's not the same thing as feeling the world in my chest. Right. And as we say, unless I feel the love of God in my chest, it isn't yet fully real to me. Wow. That's and it. And so what we long for, what we long, you know, th this this notion of uh when you when you look at the at the arc of the biblical narrative, you're look watching this arc, you know, we say moving from imagination to incarnation in the patriarchs. Noah and before, right? God was this yeah. the fear. Yes, yeah. this, this fear it's real, but it's not all that tangible and then we move from that to a burning bush with moses and from there we move to a pillar right a cloud right. of smoke right. or fire yeah. right we're getting more and more tangible and then we have a tabernacle yeah. and then we have a temple increasingly solid increasingly with permanent yeah and then we get wow. to john 2 and jesus says tear the temple down <laughs> I'm back at you in three days. You can't ever get rid of me now. Like I am here. I am here. Come with, on. And there, oh my goodness. Like, it's not just like, it is a real human being. Yeah. And then wow. you think, oh my gosh, like we've, we've, we've reached the pinnacle. And then and it turns like, no, we haven't. We wait, you get to Pentecost. And now the yeah. spirit comes. And now yeah. you discover that we, we are the embodiment. Come on spread out over the world and of course wow. the notion that we are the gospel <laughs> i don't you know right we're not just talking about the gospel yeah yeah 
that I am, and, and and for our listeners, we're not saying that like we are God. We're not. We're not. No. This is not some pantheistic or panentheistic no. way of talking about God. What we're saying is that we are so loved by God that He wants us to be His representatives. We are yeah. His embodied, yes, presence. We are His incarnate presence in the world. And he's like, yeah, I am super confident in you guys. You are going to, and, and you know what? Y'all are going to make mistakes, and I'm not worried about that. Come on. I'm, more, I'm, I'm much more concerned that when you make mistakes, you turn around. And you look for me coming for you. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> you look to see that I'm no further away from you now than before you made the mistake. Hmm. That's beautiful. And if this is what you practice doing, you become mm. less anxious, more comfortable, more confident, mm. such that you do even more of the works that I have prepared for you before the foundation of the world. Mm. You so will good. see beauty as you create beauty, as you become beauty, because you're paying attention to me, who's never leaving. Oh, my goodness, man. That You just preached the gospel. That's why it's called the good news. There's no separation mm. in the nature of love. Right on. He, he doesn't right on. leave for your sake, man. He's, that's, that's beautiful. Yeah. That is, and that is being known. That is the, it's burning in every one of us, this to be known in that way and to know in that way, uh, that union that, that, that mm. Jesus lived. I love that you say we mm. are the gospel. I think that's a profound statement. Obviously, mm. we're not Jesus. We are the living mm. embodiment, the, mm. uh, the expression mm. of on earth as it is mm. in heaven. We've been invited into that. Mm. I think that's powerful. Mm. Man, I... Yeah, uh, God is so God is so not so self-conscious, so anxious that he won't share himself with us. <laughs> He's not worried that somehow, like, we're going to do something and he's not going to get enough credit. <laughs> everything I have is yours. I said, what do you, everything yeah. I have is yours. That's so good. That prayer that Jesus prayed, I pray that they would be one, just as you and I are one, just mm -hmm. as I am in the Father and the Father's in me too, that, so too that they would know, that, that you would ex know this, that the whole world would know that, that, that he has sent me. Mm -hmm. That is the good news. It's the invitation. Yeah. That's that holistic thing too. I, I thank you for that. Yeah. The um, mm. the left and right. Uh, I always make that joke that I'm a right brain fellow in the left brain world, but <laughs> I know how to change a tire. So <laughs> <laughs> I, I imagine I can do some left brain stuff if needed. Yeah, but right uh, on. Listen, um, I know that we ha we have limited time. I can't tell you how. I'm I'm impacted I am by talking with you, how encouraged I am. Hmm. Uh, hmm. It's, hmm. I feel the same way as when I listen to the podcast. There's such life and hmm. encouragement hmm. and beauty hmm. and wonder hmm. over uh, hmm. over what you're doing. We got to talk tacos hmm. before I let you go because that's that's <laughs> that relational dynamic. Yeah, right on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got you got a taco story for me? You got something? Well, so you know, I don't I don't have a taco story, but I have a taco store. Okay. I mean, we. Uh, there here here in uh, I live in Arlington, Virginia, yeah. and we have a place called District Taco. Uh huh. And it is a story of a uh, family that started a food truck business. Okay. Now I in, in I don't know if if they have these in Charlotte, but in 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 yeah. D.C. Uh, especially in the Federal Triangle area, you know, with all the tourists that come, 
you know, the Constitution Avenue, like around, you know, dinner time, lunch, like it's just lined with food trucks. <laughs> okay. <laughs> nice. And District Taco started out as a food truck. That's what they were. Okay. And now I don't know how many stores they have throughout the Northern Virginia and Maryland area and, and, and D.C. Uh, but they uh, make some of the best fish tacos I've ever had in my life. And I've been to some places with some really good fish tacos. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, yeah. we're not, it's not like we're in San Diego, like we're right next to the ocean where you have the, I mean, but, but like, you know, they, um, and we have one about a mile from our house that gets a lot of our business. And uh, so a shout out to District Taco. District Tacos. And right. the, uh, and, 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 the, and I think the, I, I think the, um, the, the community that they've created by, uh, you know, by being a local chain that has grown up here, as it were, yeah. and yeah. that creates opportunity for people to have good jobs and they make great food and the lines are long and everybody who's in the line is willing to wait. Yes. Yeah. I've been to District Taco. My brother lives in D.C., so I can yeah. I can thumbs this up. I've actually that's one I can go. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. I, I didn't realize yeah. that food truck yeah. is where it come from, but that is amazing. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, all right. Any anything you're anything you're reading right now that you just uh, you have to tell us about it, or anyone that's influencing you right now? Um, well, I, I have to say, Jason, I am in a season of life in which I am for the first time uh, paying a lot of attention to. Um, the reality of the unseen world. Yeah. <laughs> Your listeners might think like, oh, now the shrink has really gone off the grid. Like, oh, I don't know. Like, what, what, what are we, what are we doing here? Um, but I have, uh, uh, in, in, you know, I, I am a, I'm a fan of the Bible project. And, uh, yeah. when you went listening to a lot of their work led me to, um, the work of Michael Heisner, who's a, uh, a, a biblical scholar who writes about the unseen, where this whole notion of, you know, the the elements of our world that we have, you know, the, the, that we've become anesthetized to and from. Right, right. And um, then there's another writer uh, by the name of uh, Ingrid Farrow. She's an Old Testament scholar at Northern okay. Seminary uh, in the Chicago area who has written a book called Demystifying Evil. I'm finding both uh, Michael Heisner's work called The Unseen Realm and Ingrid's work, uh, Demystifying Evil, uh, to be really helpful in wow. um, opening my eyes to an additional way of thinking about what's actually happening in the world that gives me a felt sense, a, a greater felt sense, actually, of comfort and confidence. Uh, I, I, I read about this and I am not more afraid of evil but I am more vigilant about it yeah. while being actually less afraid of it, um, wow. but taking it far more seriously than I ever have without granting it authority that it doesn't deserve. Wow. We, we need more of that in the season we're in too, yeah. don't we? I mean, my goodness. Yeah. Well, right on. Yeah. My right goodness. On. That's, that's, uh, uh, so, uh, three years from now, you'll, you'll give us a book on that particular <laughs> or how long will those take? I, I think I, I think I think the books are already here. I think they're Michael Heisner's and Ingrid Farrow's <laughs> books uh, that well, are that are really helpful. That's beautiful. I I, so, I, I think you're right too. Um, but I'm grateful for 
what you have written and uh, what you continue to produce um, that's impacting mm. a whole lot of lives. So thankful. Uh, mm. Could you just share briefly, um, uh, and I'll do that at the front end too, where folks can find you? Yeah. Yeah, thanks so much. Um, probably the, uh, the, the thing that most people are now becoming increasingly familiar with are is the podcast, the Being Known podcast, uh, where Pepper Sweeney and I co-host that. Um, we're now beginning to, to record our ninth season. Um, that is going to um, address the, the work that I um, am sharing in the fourth book that I've written, uh, The Deepest Place. Okay. You can also find Good. me uh, through my website, KurtThompsonMD.com, and then through uh, Instagram and Twitter, although it's I, I've got a social media person who does that because I don't know the first thing about these <laughs> kinds of things. But um, those are some Good. places to find me, and I look forward to interacting with folks from our audience. Yeah, awesome. Man, I can't tell you how grateful we are uh, and how thankful I am to have had this conversation with you. It's mm. been really good, man. Thank mm. you. Yeah, thank you. Um, I, again, it's been humbling and a delight. So thank you so much for inviting me to come. Yes, sir. All right. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to the podcast. If you'd like to learn more about the podcast, myself or our guests, you can go to afamilystory.org. You can also go to afamilystory.org uh, if you'd like to give, this is a listener-supported podcast, and we are incredibly grateful for your generosity. Hey, we have a Facebook group, and it's pretty cool, uh, Rethinking God with Tacos. You can join us over there. Lots of incredible conversation and community taking place on that page. And you can also follow us on all the socials, Instagram, uh, TikTok, YouTube, and others. Hey, I'd love it also if you uh, went on iTunes and left a review or shared or tweeted or liked the podcast. Uh, let your friends know that this is a good place to hear about the love of God. I pray grace and wonder over your day.